sheriff calls us outlaws. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to episode 14 of the Middle-Aged Outlaws podcast. Today we are in Texas and we're trying to make our way out. Um, before we get to that though, I will introduce my uh, right-hand man in all this, Adam. How is it going? Yeah, it's going good, thanks. How are you? Well, you know, where are we? We're at the start of June. Things are looking up. <coughs> Scotland are going to win the Euros. Kicks off in a couple of days. And uh, and much like Dolph Ziggler, Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, Davy Boy Smith, Takamichi Noku, Chris Candido, Raven, Sabu, Droz, and Bret Hart, we've been having some sunny days recently. <laughs> I wondered where you were going with that, but it all makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> the weather's been spectacular, so... Yeah, in this part of the world, it makes all the difference, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah, and... Um, Apologies if I sound a little bit croaky. I've had a cold. It's not COVID. I've done a test, but uh, might let my voice down a little bit at times. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm delighted to hear that it's nothing too serious. But yeah, um, yeah, we'll let you off as long as you don't sneeze your way through the through the podcast. I'll do my best. I think it's past that stage. It's all good. Excellent. Well, we're in February now. We've um, we've had the delights of the Royal Rumble and the other WCW pay per view sold out. Sold out. Sold yeah. out in eight. We're we're uh, we're on the march to WrestleMania fourteen, and um, we're we're very focused on WrestleMania fourteen as far as WWF programming is concerned, which uh, feels like a nice change from the kind of current product where things seem to be made up. The week before, yeah. um, we're we're very much like I say, we're very much focused on it. Um, so before we jump into the No Way Out of Texas, nineteen ninety eight pay per view, should we should we chat about the the Go Home Raw before it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, so we, it's it's been quite good um, getting into this stuff just simply because we've we've not we're not long off the Royal Rumble. Only a couple of episodes ago that we did the Royal Rumble, so uh, you've got a con- some continuity of storylines that are going on, and uh, believe it or not, a lot of the storylines are continuing and, and they all join up. It's incredible. <laughs> um, some highlights from the Go Home Raw. Then we had Stone Cold stealing Shawn Michaels's belt, his uh, his WWF Championship belt, which is Vex and DX, particularly China. Seems to be quite vexed about all this. Yeah, she she seems more annoyed about it than Shawn Michaels. <laughs> yeah, but, she does. Uh, yeah, um, she's the one who's definitely trying to do something about it. The others, I don't know, it's kind of like they have a tantrum and then get over it quite quickly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she, she tries to, I think she tries to pay Savio Vega and Los Boricuas to to get it back for them. And we've had that relationship between DX and Los Boricuas uh, earlier on in, in January we saw that as well and yeah. before that with the uh, with the Legion you know when they were they, they all seemed to be attacking the Legion of Doom and they were all trying to attack Austin before the Rumble as well at least it all makes sense it ties yeah. in it's not somebody just coming out of nowhere or something like that yeah 
Um, what else do we have going on? We still got Paul Bearer cutting these outrageously <laughs> amazing promos. Um, this time, what's the backstory with Vader? I was kind of a little bit lost as to why it needs to be Vader that Kane needs to yeah. take out to solidify so, himself as the monster. Is yeah, I, 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 I didn't really get that in terms of tying it in. I mean, the only thing they really covered on the show was that the previous week, which we wouldn't have uh, watched, that Vader had sprayed Kane with a fire extinguisher. Um, so they, they, they mentioned that during the promo, and I think we see a video clip of it. Right. But yeah, there, there does seem to be talk from Paul Bearer that for Kane to become the monster, he has to get rid of this other monster. Um, but I don't know if that just uh, potentially... It's obviously something that's come up between where we last were at the Rumble and uh, this show. So it's maybe something that's played out on TV a little mm. bit. Yeah. Um, so we've got that going on and we've still not got any sign Undertaker yeah. at this point in time. And uh, I was kind of waiting for him to appear both... Uh, on this episode of Raw and then on the pay-per-view as well but yeah, never materialised which was quite refreshing Yeah, the, the, it's like they were able to just keep their powder dry that, that little bit longer than I think they would be able to nowadays Yeah, uh, I was listening to uh, Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard where they were talking about this time period as well and apparently Taker's dad was unwell at this point so okay. they were able to give him some time off so that's the kind of real reason for him not being here but it works yeah. obviously yeah, it Kane essentially killed him at the last pay-per-view <laughs> so you wouldn't expect him to be just uh, storming out you know like if somebody got attacked by zombies for example and then <laughs> then just appeared on the next Raw or, or something yeah, I've, I've still never caught that unfortunately uh, yeah I think it's, it's passed now so I'll just have to leave it no, I mean, maybe in like 25 years from now we could go back and do 2021 That'd be great, it'll be my first time seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else we've got going on? We've got the Outlaws, who the previous week appear to have um, stuck Chainsaw Charlie and, uh, what's his face, Cactus Jack in a dumpster yeah. and uh, thrown them off the off the ramp. So we've got them reenacting that with like crash test dummy mm -hmm. type characters and um, Road Dog says to Billy Gunn, why don't you keep that and bring it up to the room? Did you hear him saying that? I, I don't have it written down, but I mean... King that's... laughs. King King picks up on it and laughs at it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about you, I really like this version of The Outlaws. Oh, they're brilliant. Yeah. So good. And I think part of it, we mentioned this on the previous show, I'm sure, because... We all know that we're we're not that far away from them being officially aligned with DX, mm -hmm. um, but this period of time where they're on every show and they're just doing their own thing, and it's really over. Um, they're you know this heel team, but there's something pretty funny, pretty cool about them, something quite refreshing about them. Uh -huh. But some of their antics and things like that, I just um, I found really enjoyable, and I think. I, I enjoyed the, you know, Triple H X pack and uh, the Outlaws version of DX, but they're they're playing second fiddle as soon as they're in that group. Whereas just now they're they're just doing their own thing. They're their pretty, own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. And they've always got the sports reference in the T shirts. Yeah. When they come out as well and the, the kinda cheap heat that they get is, is brilliant. I totally agree. Um what else have we got going on? Steve Blackman. 
Yeah. We have got Steve Blackman on an undefeated streak. He defeats someone called Recon, I believe, who is part of the... um, Is this true? The Truth Commission? The Truth Commission, yeah. With Sniper, who looks an awful lot like... um, what was his name? Bill Buchanan. Bill Buchanan. Is yeah. that the same guy? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. And they are led by Mr. Callis. What's his name? The Jackal. The Jackal. Who talks about the Jackalites, which I'm always quite uncomfortable with that word. <laughs> and during this episode of Raw, which seemed to take up a hell of a lot of time at this broadcast, he comes down from the sky in some sort of podium and he's. Uh, it's like those guys that stand up the top of Princess Street and they've got their megaphone. They're telling everybody about the end of the world. Yeah, he's he's not he's not happy with the way the commentators are putting over his movement and his guys. So it's like he he wants to be the commentator for for what's going on in the I situation. See, right, okay. Um, you see, you've explained it, that to me a lot easier than what I was picking up myself. But it's. Um, it, I don't don't know, it's hard to get into the segment when you don't really care about the people. Um, Because I I get the feeling they never went through that process of really making you care about uh, Sniper and Recon. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it feels like Jackal could have been a decent character or a decent heel manager type character if he'd, like you say, if he'd had a tag team of some sort of worth even if it was like the Quebecers or somebody like that yeah. that were getting some sort of prominence mm-hmm. at least someone that the you know the <clears> audience <throat> are familiar with they've uh, they've been around just uh, you know enough time for the audience to know who they are yeah um, whereas I think this is you know quite a few years before the Bill Buchanan character and I don't remember seeing the other guy ever again no. genetic massive guy yeah um, so a couple other things that are going on here we've got the world's greatest ring announcer uh, sorry Howard Finkel you're going to have to take a step back because Sunny's here uh, making some ring announcements and she does a fantastic job both on this role and on the pay-per-view it's a great great ring announcer incredible um, yeah Is it, have you got any other highlights um, we should be picking up on here so we've got a uh, Rock and Farouk against Chains and Shamrock tag match, where um, <laughs> the, the the Rock cuts uh, he's he's he does a promo about genetic cloning, um, <laughs> and then says he's in favour of it if it's done very selectively, <laughs> and then starts mocking the audience. It's really good. <laughs> and then uh, you've got a, a kind of a, a fight breaks out between Nation and DOA and Ahmed Johnson. Um, you've got Shamrock applying the, the ankle rock to Farouk. And then one of those, you, you messaged me about this separately, one of those horrendous steel chair shots that Shamrock oh. seemed to take quite regularly, uh, delivered by The Rock, who I think we know has a, a little bit of a career in delivering some pretty brutal chair shots. Um, and that one, it's like, you know, it looks like it's full on the face. It's it's not nice. Why does it, it's not even, exactly, it's, it's full on the face. Yeah. And I text you saying, why is Shamrock saying, oh, getting smashed in the face with a steel chair? Yeah. It's not even a headshot. It's no. a face shot. 
Really odd. Yeah, I don't know why he feels the need to do that. We've got a little bit around the the WrestleMania press conference That's with right. Michaels, Austin and Tyson. And basically it's just a little bit of verbals between all three of them, really. Um, you've got Austin and, and Michaels um, having a go at each other. You've got Austin making it clear that if uh, Tyson gets in his way, he'll take him out. Um, you've got Michaels saying... The phrase that he, now that we've seen it, uses in every single promo, uh, which is that he doesn't lay down to anybody. Um, and then you've got Tyson <laughs> stepping in anybody. between. <laughs> you've got Tyson stepping in between Michaels and Austin, obviously a little bit of a, you know, precursor to the role he's going to be playing yeah. in the match. Yeah. Um, and they, I think, confirm him at this, in that role in the match as the enforcer. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think I've got much else here. These um, DX come out and do a promo basically at the end of the night, just talking about how he's gonna. Uh, Michael's talking about how he's gonna take his title back. Austin comes out, swings the belt about at DX, <laughs> but uh, Outlaws come out to support DX. China, China sort of steals the belt back, um, and then the Cactus Jack and Chainsaw uh, hit the ring, and so does Owen Hart, who is. Uh, Obviously got an ongoing issue with Triple H at that stage. And I think, did he maybe confirm Triple H viewing for... For WrestleMania, I think. Yeah, I think that maybe at the next show. So on the Raw, they've got Jeff Jarrett versus Triple... No, sorry, they've got Owen Hart versus Jeff Jarrett for yeah. the European Championship. And they say, if Owen Hart can get through Jeff Jarrett tonight, then he'll face Triple H at WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting way of doing that. Yeah. So they've they've kind of got a, f- a few stories they're they're moving on with there. Um, one final yeah one final thing that you you get and you get kind of highlights from that press conference like you said and and you get all the kind of um, the perspective of the American media coverage and uh, the the the, um, the people in the news and they're they're really kind of mocking you know like Mike Tyson and his wrestling friends yeah. and all that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting that they chose to show that. On yeah, the yeah, you would have thought that's the kind of thing they would um, edit out or leave out. Um, but I, I, there was one thing I can't remember where I saw or heard this. It's either in a book or on a podcast. But Eric Bischoff that says that the um, you know while he's basking in the glory and winning every week and things like that, apparently the moment that WWE put Mike Tyson on their telly was the moment that he was like, oh. Okay, they're kind of fighting back now, right? Oh, really? Yeah, um, and they had apparently had a chance to work with Tyson on WCW, mm. but they'd shied away from it. Um, they, I don't know if it was a, a little bit scared of the personality that Tyson was, or whether the network weren't that comfortable showcasing him, you know, with a bit of controversy and things like that. So they'd backed off, but I think it just came across that Bischoff maybe wanted to do it because he thought it would sell and then when he saw WWE had done it he, he thought okay I'm, I am going to have a fight on my hands here Right um, from what I'd either read or heard we're both obviously consuming all the same stuff uh, I'd read that Don King had basically basically been using WCW to leverage Tyson's okay. salary or right. payment or whatever it is um, so yeah interesting stuff Yeah, it's interesting from Bischoff 
Uh, and I think similar to that, I think WWF had, had the opportunity to get Rodman, maybe Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Before when when WCW did, and when yeah. was that? Was that ninety seven? Uh, yeah, I think probably around then. Yeah. Like your early early NWO days. Yeah. So we're pumped. We're pumped for the pay per view. It's an old pay per view, because um, <clears throat> these days you you're kind of used to everything being built up to be the greatest show we've ever had whereas this feels very much feels like a stepping stone to Wrestlemania Uh, and I think when we were younger certainly when pay-per-views became more frequent especially around about this time of year when you've just had the Royal Rumble you knew that that that's what sort of road you were on you were on the road to Wrestlemania whereas like I say now I feel like you're being everything's up in the air you don't know what you're getting for WrestleMania. If you do, then you feel as if it could still be changed. Yeah. Um, I feel like you know what you're getting here. Everything's just kind of being used to to set things up. Um, but I quite, I quite like that as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it works from a watching it every week on TV. Like, it's... It, the, 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 there's... Even if your main event is set and, you know, some of your other matches are set, which it feels like at this stage you already know what some of them are going to be for Mania, yeah. you can move the story, you know, you don't have to be changing who's involved in things like that, you're just developing the story as you go and it allows time for some, like, anticipation to build. Because um, I've, I've no doubt... Uh, you know, when we when we get to the actual No Way Out show, it, it's it's pretty obvious. It's kind of like it's a B show. Yeah. Um, you've got some stars on it. You've got a, you know a couple of big matches on it, but a lot of it is not you know the the sort of caliber that they I think try to cram into every show now, mm-hmm. where it's it's almost got to be all the top guys are on every show. I think back then, I might be wrong on this, but I think these were actually cheaper shows and shorter shows. Um, and they, you know, they, they did that for a little while, just see if people would buy it and then found out that if they put their stars on it every month, people will pay full price for a, you know, a star uh, packed show. But you've got people like, you mentioned Undertaker earlier, who isn't on TVs or a show for just, you know, a couple of weeks, a few weeks. But some people should be like that. Some people should be a special attraction. You shouldn't see... The thing that really annoys me about WWE, I feel like when you get your main event, you've already seen it on TV. Yeah. Uh, and they they don't do that here. You know, Michael's back injury will be playing a big part, but he's not even involved in the, yeah. in the No Way Out pay-per-view. Um, and he doesn't have any kind of match with Austin before they actually get there to the show. Yeah. Yeah, there's obviously a lot of differences between then and now, but now you've got two and maybe three shows a week that you'll be seeing these people. Well, no, you've got two people that you're going to be seeing on the pay per view. You've yeah. got two shows. You've got potential uh, uh, engagements between people on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, mm-hmm. on on whatever. Almost, you know, you could possibly have that every day in between shows. Um, yeah, there's obviously in 1998 you've got the one show. If you if you catch the show every week, you know what's going on. If you don't catch the show every week, you get the little packages, and yeah. there's not too much to cram in there. Mm-hmm. They they put together the story quite well. So yeah, there's a, there's a definite argument for 
sort of oversaturation of what you get now compared to what you got then. Yeah, I mean, it's. I've no doubt a lot of it's not in their hands. I think if they could, in some situations, keep certain people off TV for a while, they probably would. But then you'll have the network banging the 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 desk saying, "Why is you know one of your biggest stars not on the show?" Mm-hmm. So yeah, probably some some different pressures now. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, I was going to say something, but I've lost it. It's gone. So let's jump in to No Way Out of Texas. I, I think that this was initially an In Your House, and that was probably what I was going to say. To, back to your point about this being like a B show. Yeah. Um, the In Your Houses were obviously the shorter two-hour pay-per-views compared to, like, say, your Royal Rumble, etc. Mm-hmm. So I think that this was initially going to be an In Your House, but they changed it to the No Way Out of Texas. Um, if you look for it now, it's just under No Way Out now. Okay, but I think this. I think the whole, the whole kind of point of this was for it to be like a kind of B show. However, yeah. I also understand that when this was advertised, ticket for tickets, uh, when tickets went on sale, the poster had Bret Hart, Undertaker, and Shawn Michaels, along oh. with uh, along with with Austin on it. Um, but you're talking this going on, you know, like tickets going on sale, obviously, but you before November. Yeah, nineteen ninety seven. So, yeah, if you bought tickets for this and then you're you're <laughs> you're not uh, tuning in every week and you're rocking up and getting <laughs> what you've got there, you're probably pretty devastated. Yeah, I mean that's um, three of the four that you've mentioned that will not be on this show. Uh, yeah, uh, it it ha- half the card, probably more than half the card, isn't it? Doesn't leap out at you, but um, I suppose they've still got a a bit of star attraction. I do wonder if, I mean, if Michaels didn't have the genuine back injury, you've got to think he's he's the fourth man in the mm-hmm. match. So that takes away a, a chunk of the star power as well, which there's nothing anyone can really do about. Um, should we, should we talk about Michaels' promos before we before we talk yeah, about the pay per view? Yeah. Do Do you remember? Like, is this new to you? That yeah, his like, promos are just god awful. Yeah, it it's like um, it's like I forgot somehow or or wasn't aware at the time because we've always thought of him as being this you know charismatic guy. Yeah. Um, and so much of him is, and always thought of him as being a brilliant in rig worker. Yep. Absolutely. absolutely yeah. Well, one of the things that's always said about quite a few others is they didn't have the promo skills. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was said even about Bret Hart. Um, brilliant at everything else, but didn't have the promo skills. Well, Shawn Michaels doesn't have the promo skills. It, it's it's repetitive, it's boring. It's It doesn't... It, he's, he's saying words without really saying anything. And yeah. I don't know, it, it was quite a... A, a turn off for me as I was watching it I was kind of zoning out you yeah. know, just not really listening they're a chore to get through yeah and when him and Triple H are interacting and they've got China there and they're doing something whether mm-hmm. they've got that little skit set up or even if they're in the ring you know we had them in the ring um, that previous run they were setting fire the Undertaker's jacket and all that sort of stuff and it was yeah. they were bantering back and forward and it was quite funny mm-hmm. but you're given Michael's the mic to kind of sell 
that whatever's coming up and it's like, oh no, please, you need to yeah. stop because this is awful. Monotonous, yeah. gravelly voice just shouting yeah. the same thing, like you say, the same thing over and over. I started thinking to myself, see when he made, makes his comeback, you know, years later and has, you know, a few excellent quality uh, programmes and matches and all that. Um, I was trying to think back to then what his promos were like, um, at, you know, at points when he wasn't doing one of 50 DX reunions, just <laughs> him actually trying to build to a match. And I think in my head it maybe depended who he was with or who he was opposite. Mm-hmm. So I remember him having some quite good interactions with people like Jericho, um, building up to a Mania match with him. Um, but I'm not convinced that he was ever that good, even, you know, when he came back. Because I was trying to think, was he just too messed up at this point to mm-hmm. deliver a good promo? Mm-hmm. And he's, he's clean when he comes back, but I'm, I'm just not sure it's in him to do it. I, I, I was trying to think the same in his second run, whether or not he was doing the same sort of thing. And I, I don't really remember him doing that sort of promo. I wonder if it's yeah. the style of promo and the... It's the the kind of quintessential carrying the company like I'm the number one mm-hmm. type promo. That it's the kind of thing you would expect, like you know, when Seth Rollins was his kind of babyface character um, not too long ago, and everybody basically just ended up getting bored of him yeah. talking about being the best. It's that kind of same stuff over and over again. I wonder if it's just that style of promo because I don't. I'm the same. I don't remember him being like that. And it's yeah, I, I say, because he's, he's kind of, I think he was always near the top of the card when he came back, but he wasn't the guy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he maybe wasn't needing to deliver those style of promos. So that maybe just worked better for him. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, let's jump in. Um, we're going to go straight back to talking about Michaels because... Pretty much as soon as we're on the pay-per-view, WWF are straight... It's like that kind of thing where somebody's been naughty and they've, they've had to... Like, as soon as they see you walk in the room, they're like, oh, let me please apologise for it. So, <laughs> so they're telling you that Michael's hurt his back and he's out of the main event. Yeah. I always thought this was a work. I always thought that the whole point of this... And I expected to come into the Raw with something happened to him. You know, like when Austin was in the ring and swinging the belt about and all that, yeah. I expected something to happen to Michaels mm-hmm. that meant he, he got put out of this match. Um, and I, I always thought that they knew that he hurt his back after the uh, during that match at the Rumble and that uh, they would basically take him out of any sort of in-ring action uh, until WrestleMania, but apparently not. Apparently, apparently he recovered from it and then a couple of days before he hurt his back lifting weights. Okay. Um, and that was his excuse, but yeah, they're straight in there to tell you that Michaels won't be in the main event, um, and they don't know who's going to replace him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the same. Um, I I have no issue with it because of what's on the show, but like you say, as soon as the show's on, you're you're focused on what is the title program. Mm-hmm. Um, they're. I suppose looking at the card, you know, there are some other bits and pieces on it. There's some quite, you know, it, it varies, but there's some quite interesting uh, storyline <laughs> situations on it. But you're left in no doubt what your focus is really supposed to be on. Um, but I, I think it it kind of works in a, a way back then that it, it sometimes puts me off a bit now. 
mm. you know I, I, I feel like now if I, I'm going through a show and I'm thinking you know talk about the first match and the build up to it talk about you often lose sight of the match that's going on in front of you because they're talking about the main event or something different um, yeah. but here I don't know it just kind of felt right that the focus would be on Austin and Michaels yeah especially I think like how red hot Austin is in everything that, he's, that he does I don't think you uh, uh, even still when going back and watch this I'm surprised at how how uh, over Mm-hmm. and how crazy the crowd are for him yeah. um, so I I think it makes I, I agree with you, I know, I know what you mean um, it doesn't feel like it's it's big news I suppose Yeah. Um, if if you're really looking forward to, yeah. to seeing <laughs> the Outlaws and DX fight against Austin and Owen Hart and Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack, if you're looking forward to that then yeah, to be told that you, what, what, I, what I think the flaw is with it is that it then creates its own new and throughout the pay-per-view it creates this level of intrigue as to who's it going to be and obviously not too long ago you've had who is what was it who is the third man yeah. um, across in WCW and this creates its own who's the fourth man going to be mm-hmm. and I don't know if they anticipated just what what that would what, what that would do yeah. by taking Shawn Michaels out of this but to, to me, they, they handled it really, really poorly. Um, yeah. Like, it, when we were talking about who the main event was going to be, I expected Savio Vega to be in it, uh, simply because I knew Michaels wasn't going to be in it, mm-hmm. and that, that, that Savio Vega had been involved in, like, DX-related angles. But, yeah, I was reading some stuff from people who'd been watching it at the time and how let down they felt when it was like, Savio yeah. Vega it's like what yeah I, I, expected I, I, it to be Hogan or something you know what I mean yeah I think that's the thing because you, you sort of give the contrast to what was going on or what had been going on with the NWO in WCW the intrigue about who's the third man but they, they couldn't have delivered more on who that third man was yeah and I think that's the big thing this builds up through the show as you say and they go through a couple of different arcs with it because they they have at a point Triple H saying we, we don't want a partner we'll do it ourselves mm-hmm. and then the news is immediately oh they'll allocate you a partner you know and then that I don't know if that was a way to try to you know temper expectations yeah um, but it still didn't work because <laughs> it's nothing against Savio Vega but you, you're talking about uh, is he even mid card he's you know, he's he's an early card talent. Ah. Oh. Um, who, everything I've heard and, and all that is excellent in the ring. You know, looks after you, makes everything look good and all that. But it's not about that. Mm. It's the crowd's expectation of how you replace Michaels. And I've heard so many times on the Pritchard podcast him say that if you need to make a substitution, you need to make it better than what you had originally right. and he, he said it so often but this is just an indication of where it got absolutely nowhere near and I think he maybe does if you've listened to the podcast about this show I think he maybe sort of references about how how do you how in this situation with who they've got unavailable who they've got hurt all that how do you get anywhere near matching what, what they had or what they would have had uh, uh, pretty much impossible the only one that he spoke about who was a free agent at the time was Sid 
right. uh, and said that they'd considered it. Said that they considered it, but yeah, you create your own problems here as well. As sitting in as sitting DX, mm-hmm. do you want that gigantic animal? turn about the place yeah. asking people to suck it I don't think so really, but. No. <laughs> so I that's an interesting one um, and I, it could have went lots of different ways I, I just think maybe if they'd been up front and said uh, DX have had to ask Savio Vega to take place to show yeah. Michaels because he's his back or whatever you know what I mean yeah I totally agree with you I think if you're not going to deliver on the name don't let the expectation build through the show. Just just say who it is straight away. Um, yeah, that that's probably the best way you can manage it from there. Yeah, so so one thing that I really liked about this and something that you miss from... Uh, I need to stop moaning about current product, but <laughs> something that you miss from current product is the kind of stage... Um, aspect of the entrances and the di- mm-hmm. different pay-per-views I like the cage uh, kind of bit that they had at the entrance for the wrestlers coming out that looked cool and it, um, there, was a, there was a few matches here where there was tag matches and the teams are all coming out one by one through this kind of tunnel with the cage Yeah, um, I just thought it looked pretty cool yes. yeah uh, I think that's because um, they're all generic now aren't they it's basically the same the same set for, for every pay-per-view mm-hmm. Um and uh, I mean, I think it went on for years, where each one had kind of its own identity, and that's that's gone. Really. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's easier just to use these big LED screens and put whatever you want up on them. But yeah. it's kind of soulless, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So starting off, we've got, and I was going to say we've got a banger. I like to say that we started off with a banger, but we start off with a head banger or two. Um, we've got marvelous Mark Mer. Mark Mero with Sable and our boy Tafkag with um, with Luna uh, against the Headbangers and my very first note on the very first page is this version of Goldust is absolutely terrified. <laughs> is he being Marilyn Manson? Is that what's Apparently. going on? Apparently. Yeah. So King refers to him as Manson Dust and JR kind of gets into the swing of it and mentioned, calls him Manson Dust a couple of times as well. Apparently Marlon Manson was pretty big at this time and Goldust was a fan, so that, that was why. Okay. I think it, it accentuated his size a lot more than that. Yeah. That golden all-in-one thing he used to wear. Yeah, he, he, he did look big in this, um, especially compared to the people around him. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, yeah, he looked a lot bigger. Um, so, yeah, it's maybe they never found quite the right outfit for him because there's been a few. Yeah, there certainly has. <laughs> yeah, and at this point in time, he seems to be coming out. Like, the gold dust gimmick is gone. Obviously, he's gone by the artist formerly known as... Mm-hmm. But then the, the raw after he's he's fully gold dust up again, which yeah. is odd. Yeah, that confused me as well because I, I I assumed he'd left the gold dust character behind, but um, yeah, he goes back to. It. There was something I noticed in this match, and it's not related to really what's going on in the ring, but it's one of those where I'm not sure if I heard it right. But Tim White's the ref, right? And on a few occasions, I'm sure they said Jim White. Oh really? Yeah. And I'm th- Great stuff there. <laughs> well, it was the first thing that went into my head. I was expecting it to morph into like I don't know, transfer deadline day or something <laughs> like that. Um, but I just thought he's he's been there for ages, and they're calling him the wrong name. That's um, really weird. And then I thought 
did he play some different character? Was he was he Jim White for a wee while? Yeah, but maybe, it's maybe not important. His, like, like his, remember when he was like a kind of suicidal yeah. character? Maybe that's his suicidal alias, Jim White. Maybe. He wears a yellow tie and carries a mobile phone everywhere. <laughs> that's an odd one. I didn't pick that up. Yeah. So this is basically all about getting progressing the storyline of Mark Merrill and Sable's issues. Yeah. Uh, him being jealous of Sable and the attention she's getting. I mean, why would she not be getting attention? She's practically not wearing any clothes. Um, it's a really weird relationship that we've got going on between Mark Merrill and Luna and Goldust. I don't really understand why they're aligned with each other. Yeah. Uh, It it felt just forced together. Um, I I know it it, it built over a few shows, Uh um, and I don't know if right at the start of their alliance there was a logic reason to it, a common enemy or something like that. Um, But yeah, you're you're right. The the match, its whole purpose is to to take the Sable angle forward. Uh Um, And they're obviously already planning... Her, you know, she's she's hugely over with the crowd. Outrageously, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, aside from Austin, I'm not sure anyone else gets a bigger reaction. Um, so they they've obviously got their plans in terms of what they're what they're going to do with her, and I, I assume I actually think Mark Merrill plays the role pretty well. So do um, I. He's, he's he's good in it. It's a shame because it's it's kind of burying him. Um, while it's all going on, it's it's hard for him to come out of the whole thing with a positive, but he uh, he plays it really well. I thought. I know I totally agree, and I think we we spoke about in the rumble. He spent the majority of his time in the rumble just sort of ordering her about yeah. at the side of the ring. I think he's quite good in the ring as well. Like there's a lot of sort of negative stuff being said about him, but I think he's actually quite good. Yeah, but I, I don't know um, if Vince ever fully bought in because he he wanted the. When he signed him, he was playing, was it Johnny B. Bad, yeah, I think, WCW. in WCW. Yeah. And apparently it was the gimmick Vince loved, but he couldn't use it for copyright reasons. So once he'd signed him, he had to use him as a totally different character. So it's it's a shame because he might have got more of a push if he'd mm. been able to be that character. But then, obviously, Vince would have got Sable on TV one way or another. Um, and I'm not sure how she would have played into Johnny B. Bad gimmick. Mm. But uh, anyway... So this, this match is kind of so it's like like I say it's the match is used as a vehicle to move that forward um, at the same time poor Thrasher uh, gets busted open the hard way on the yeah. stairs and is just leaking practically this whole match yeah it's um, it's not good I, I mean they, they sort of they play the match quite logically where he's isolated from from making the tag and things like that uh, but it's a bit of a mess you know the I think you actually messaged me saying he's a mess um, yeah. as the, the blood was pouring and you know not to try to apply too much logic to it but if somebody gets a bad bleeding injury you're going to try and isolate him in the ring so I thought the story played fine into it but um, it yeah it wasn't a good look Nah, and the, I suppose the problem with the whole sort of problem with the ending, which itself was quite logical um, and quite clever, was that Sable came back down to the ring and the headbangers switched. 
yeah. uh, positions and uh, I always want to call the other one Chaz what was his name yeah, Mosh Mosh uh, <laughs> was he beat well, beat for cleavage <laughs> can you say that without laughing <laughs> He was Beaver Cleveland, so wasn't he? I think you're right. <laughs> and was he called Chaz as well? Or Chaz. Is that a made up mm. thing? That's someone else, maybe? Oh, no, he was. Was he? He was. He was called Chaz, yeah. Anyway, they, they switched them about, but obviously it doesn't really work because one of them's a bloody mess and the other one's not. But yeah. um, Tim, Tim White would have picked up on that, but not Jim White. Nah. Yeah. Nah, he's, Jim White's not a seasoned vet the way Tim is <laughs> um, so Chaz or Mosh or Beaver Cleavage whatever you want to call him he rolls up um, Mero and the Headbangers get the victory and yeah that's us oh, so, so we have Luna and Sable going mad trying to get at each other don't they yeah and they start so, uh, making Sable a little bit more physical in the ring yep um, yeah, you've got uh, uh, Luna. Luna always scared me a bit. It's terrifying. Um, and she, I mean, she looks like she is really trying to get to her. Um, I think as time goes, Sable, I think she kind of grows into the role. You know, she she gets a little bit better at the the reactions and the looking like she wants to fight and things like that. But um, I don't know how she wouldn't just be genuinely terrified by what was going on there. Well, she she more than makes up for it with her voice. To be fair, yeah. What's more terrifying, Luna's character or Sable's voice? I am gonna go Luna's character. Oh wow! Yeah. I, I've got in my notes here. Sable's voice makes me want to die. <laughs> yeah, I was never as much of a Sable guy as some people were actually, and that, that you know I don't want to get beaten up by Brock or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I obviously a good looking woman you know you put her on TV that all makes sense but you know if if, if there's Sable and Sunny stand next to each other I'm, uh, I'm only gonna, looking one way you're going to pass up the grind <laughs> so talking to Sunny yeah uh, here she comes wearing some uh, <laughs> yeah she's wearing something it's an unbelievable outfit she's got on here so she's come out here to uh, be the guest announcer for the light heavyweight championship uh, between the greatest named wrestler of all time, Pantera, mm-hmm. who should have, um, like, why are they not licensing, li- why are they not licensing walk? Yeah, uh, I, it's almost too obvious. Yeah. He maybe need to get rid of the bear ears on his, <laughs> on his mask to make him look a bit more menacing, but yeah. Uh, that's 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 what RVD used to come out to ECW, I think. Ah. Walk. Um, nice. So we've got Pantera versus our late heavyweight champion Takamichinoku. Uh, we've got a guest announcer on Sunny, and we've got a guest commentator in definitely not the son of Jerry King Lawler, <laughs> Brian Christopher. Yeah. This uh, I've got to be honest. I did not enjoy watching this. The only thing that kind of kept me interested was trying to pick up on the amount of times that Brian Christopher said something outrageously offensive. I was going to ask if you didn't enjoy watching it, did you enjoy listening to it? <laughs> My God. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. This this banter between JR and King about him not being his son is annoying. Yeah. It's, I, um, I don't get it. It's just... I, I think... 
I assume it's playing into some situation where, you know, uh, Mauler hasn't wanted to acknowledge him because it's like, I don't know, he's not successful enough or something like that. that that's how I always took it. Um, and that I always thought you would get a payoff if he like won the heavyweight title or something like that and King would suddenly go, my boy, son, yeah, my yeah. boy. But he was never going to get anywhere near that. And it just, I don't know, it came across as cruel. It was weird. It was really weird. And then from that episode, uh, something wrestled with Pritchard basically saying that he always thought that King just treated Brian Christopher a bit like the other, the rest of the guys backstage and there was mm-hmm. never really a father-son relationship there. It just makes it seem all the more odd. Yeah. It's a bit yeah. sad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Brian Christopher refers to Taka Michinoku as a slatty-eyed something at, at one point. Yeah. Um, and JR immediately uh, nipped that in the bud as soon as he said it. Like, what is that? <sighs> I know it's 1998 and all that, but God almighty. Yeah. <laughs> also, King, re- King says, refers to him as a waste of skin. <laughs> yeah, I did put that one in my notes. Because um, I, I get the heel commentator thing. And, you know, he's probably <laughs> trying to be over the top with the heel because he's got Brian Christopher uh, allegiances. But yeah, he went a bit far a, a few times, I think. I think it, it, it very much felt, and like obviously we know that we get, I think his name is Aguila, who we spoke about as um, Sunday Night Heat legend S.A. Rios, but we get him versus Taka at WrestleMania. It very much felt like they're building towards Brian Christopher mm-hmm. versus Taka at yeah. WrestleMania, but it doesn't seem to happen, obviously. Strange. Mm. Um, and we seem to be getting a little thing between Taka Michinoku and Sonny as well, but I don't think. King sure. is furious he with is. that. Yeah. yeah. Weird. Yeah. This match was um, forget- forgettable. Yep. And we, I think we spoke about the, um, the the sort of comparison between the light heavyweight title picture in WWF versus the cruiserweight picture mm-hmm. in WCW the last time when we yeah. were uh, talking about these type of matches. And um, Pritchard's sort of view but I found this really interesting and it doesn't hold up to me at all interesting to see what you think about it he said that uh, Vince didn't like the way that the WCW cruiserweight uh, division was like a car crash in your face non-stop all the time whereas he wanted his light heavyweights to be more methodical in the ring Um, and that to me is totally backward from what yeah. we've seen so far, because you had Jericho basically putting on a kind of clinic against Rey Mysterio and isolating uh-huh. uh, body parts, and and also you've got guys like Dean Malenko in there as well. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it does hold up at all, and there's it's, it's not just that, because as you say, there is a lot of methodical stuff going on on the WCW side, but... What it tended to be on the WCW side was if you had a guy who was a bit more mat-based wrestling, it would be him against one of the high flyers. Mm-hmm. That, that's the usual way. But I think the whole reason that the division was getting some success in WCW was because it was a different pace and it was a different style. And if WWE were going to try to make uh, a, lucha, a luchador or someone like... of, of 
a Japanese style, say, fight or wrestle the WWE way, then that's just watering it down to being more of their normal. I, I, I don't just, know why yeah. you would do it. It would just be the same as any other match on the card. Yeah. It's a bit of a weird take. And also, these guys in WCW, you felt, although they were different, they were they were like a, a main part of the roster. Yeah. They, they didn't feel like how Takamichi uh like we've not seen Pantera before. We might have seen him on Raws before, but mm. like from what we've been watching, we've not seen him before. It just feels like a random person who is wrestling against Taka. Here's a here's a light heavyweight guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, doesn't add up. Sorry, Bruce. Yeah. Uh, next match is also fairly forgettable. Um, as far as I was concerned, anyway, you've got two heel tag teams, uh, the Quebecers yeah. and the Godwins. Yeah. I I think I have the least notes for this match that I've got for the entire. Thing, um, which probably shows how much I was invested in it. Um, I had to look up to see if that was actually the Mountie. Yeah. Which is Jacques Rougeau. Yep. Um, I, I, I got the impression they were trying to, you know, even though it's heel v heel, trying to make the Quebecers the real heels in there mm-hmm. uh, by being overly Canadian. How dare they? Um, and uh, And then the, the Godwins... I don't. I don't think it was an attempt to turn them face. I think it was just you know who they wanted the crowd behind that night. But it just felt like a, a nothing match. It felt like filler. Mm-hmm. Um, it did, didn't it? And it's you know it's a whole eleven minutes of filler, um, which is is quite a lot when you're just not at all invested in the match. Yeah, there, like, there was a couple of things went on that I've got written down. Like both Quebecers are actually quite good in the ring. Um, but yeah, like the biggest sort of highlight slash lowlight for me was when there was a mention of Bill Clinton and King said, "Where's Lee Harvey Oswald when his country needs him?" <laughs> wow! But I thought it was a bit over the top. Wow! Um, yeah, the Godwins win kind of out of nothing, and then they come in the ring and and hit them both with their slot buckets and leave. Yeah. There's not much going on here. There's not even a storyline, really. Have you heard much of the Pierre character in his later, his later guises? I think he's on. Oh God, what? Who's he with? Is he, he, he Ring of Honor? I think. Yeah, he's, he's on a bunch of indies. What was his? Um, what was his name? P- PCO. Yes. He goes by now, and, and he's, he's apparently just a maniac in the ring. Yeah. And I, I'm quite intrigued, but I've never actually seen anything of his. Yes, I, I didn't realise that was him, and I always the way that I'd. So, hold on, I'll um, I'll bring it up and then I'll, um, I'll speak about it. So I, I read a book, and it was kind of like talking about the the New Japan scene and basically the whole scene, with the exception of WWE, um, and it was leading right up to All In. Um, which was that first event with the uh, the guys that now do AEW, the one that the very first event that they did before AEW was even a thing. Yeah. Um, and within that book, uh, there's a really there's a really good some really good bits about that character. What did you say it was called PCO? PCO. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what the book's called. I think it's called Too Sweet by Keith Greenberg. Um, okay. It's a really good 
I listened to the audiobook, it's a really good listen. Okay. And yeah, this is where I learned about him and it, it, it talked about him like basically completely reinventing his style as a sort of kamikaze, high flying character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I thought it sounded he sounded interesting uh, when I've heard him referenced. Uh, but yeah, I had to, when I was watching the match, because I looked up the Quebecers and I was trying to, the same as you, uh, think to myself, is that the Mountie? And I just clicked on the wrong name first. And when it came up as, was it Pierre Carl Ouellette? And I thought, oh, what's all his ring names? And I thought, PCO, that's that's that guy. Um, he's a big lad. He is. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's quite as big now. I think he's maybe slimmed down a bit. I quite like the eye patch. I don't know why he had that on. I don't know if it's part of his character. It made him look yeah. like a bit of a beast. Yeah. Oh, well, moving on. By the way, uh, there's a certain irony in the Canadians being the heel team where you've got the other, another guy in the team wearing the Confederate flag T-shirt. But anyway. Um, next match, we've got our boys, the NWA, in, in the midst of their... Uh, Invasion of WWF. We've got Jeff Jarrett defending his North is North American NWA. Is it North American World uh, North American NWA World Title? I think against yeah. Bradshaw. Yeah. Um, we've got Jeff Jarrett coming out with the Rock and Roll Express and Barry Windham. Yeah. And James E. Cornett with his loaded badminton racket or tennis racket, whatever it is that he's got with him. Yeah. Uh, we then get Bradshaw coming out. I was convinced that was a fake moustache he had. That's <laughs> pausing it. It looks, it's so, I don't know, it just looks fake. Um, and he's got a big, what do you call that? A I kick. think they referred to it as a bull rope. Bull rope. Yeah. Um, and he's also got a, quite a fetching pair of leather chaps on, which he decides to use as a weapon as well. He's so stiff in the ring. Uh-huh. Or what looks like stiff in the ring anyway. He's so aggressive. Yeah. Not much changed, really. He, he, was, he seems to have went through quite a lot of different characters, even in the short time we've been watching here. He was, I think he was Blackhawk, was he? But around about the Rumble time, was he Blackhawk Justin Bradshaw, or is that before? Justin Hawk Bradshaw. Hawk Bradshaw. Uh, yeah. um, now he's just Bradshaw, we've given him the riddle treatment. Yeah, he was Black Jack Black Bradshaw and then uh, Hawk Bradshaw. Um, but cause he, he was originally aligned with Barry Windham as ah, the new right. Black Jacks, I think they that's were. That's right. Um, he screwed him, didn't he? Yeah, he, he turned on him, I think, and then immediately aligned with the, the NWA guys. I, I just still don't care about it. The <laughs> NWA stuff when it's going on. I quite, uh, do you, do you, are you still not invested? No. Nah, and I think I didn't. I didn't even hate the match or, or what was going on. You know, with the, you know, you've obviously got the the NWA guys all grouping together, and then um, the I think I'm right in thinking the the midnight no the Rock and Roll Express and Wyndham were sent from ringside, but then um, at the end of the match, Jarrett uses the tennis racket on Bradshaw. DQ in for Bradshaw, Wyndham and the Express come out to help and then you've got LOD coming out to, yeah. to even up the numbers and I thought, hey, if this is going somewhere that's all fine, okay. But it's I don't know if it's the, the Jarrett character specifically in this NWA role 
I, I don't know. I just can't get into it. And I, there were some elements of um, Jeff Jarrett through his career that I didn't mind. I, I, I don't know what it is about this whole thing. Because I, I like Jim Cornette as well. Mm. Um, I like him as a heel manager. I like him doing his little snippets talking about, you know, real wrestling and things like that. Um, but I just, I don't know, as soon as they come out and I see Jarrett and it's under the NWA umbrella, I just struggle to care. Uh, there's something about the Rock and Roll Express looking like they've been oh. jumped out of like an old folks' home. Yeah. I think they're only, from what I've read, they're only in their like, early 40s here. They look like they're about 80. They, they look so old and it doesn't, it doesn't help anything that's involved because if you've got this... I think it's even referenced by uh, JR a couple of times that, you know, these guys were legends in their time. And the fact that he, he kind of dates it by saying in their time. Um, yeah, and it, it just, it feels as well like the whole NWA had a time and it's gone. And I, I'm just not buying it as any kind of invasion. Mm. So I was listening, obviously got a lot of spare time in the pit of us. I was listening to um, sort of the background about how this all came about on Cornette's podcast and uh, basically he'd been cutting these uh, promos in the creative meetings about we need to be doing Can you hear a cat? I apologise Oh is it a cat? I thought it was one of my boys crying I was like one of my children crying in your house <laughs> Apologies He's leaving the room now <laughs> It's always good to have guests on the podcast. <laughs> Our first. Um, yeah, so... Where, what was it? Uh, so Cornette was kind of cutting these promos about you need to have real wrestling, southern wrestling, get that back on the TV. So Vince was like, do you know what? Like, can you get us in touch with NWA? Let's do something. So he'd phoned Cornette randomly one night and apparently the NWA people had been trying to get hold of Vince for months because they wanted to try and do something together and they'd been ignoring it and then as it seems like Vince sort of does, he had a change of heart um, so he phoned up Cornette and, and got him to, to contact the NWA um, I think Jarrett was coming over at this point um, yeah. and they basically wanted some guys to come with him and, and represent as the NWA but Vince had said give him the title give him the NWA title and send him over and they were like not a chance. Like we've got an NWA champion. I don't know who it was at the time, but he kind of just take the bring the belt with him. Um, so that I think they'd create this spanking new belt and call it North okay. American title, and he brought it with him. So, like as with mo with most things, it was kind of random, um, and I think it'd been a way of sort of giving Cornette a bit of rope to hang himself because he'd been going on and on. Right. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like the sort of stuff that we've heard about Heyman before as well. Yeah. Okay. So I that's just a wee bit of background on on that, and, and I think we see the the night after or the, the the week after on the Raw, we get one of these Cornette style promos where he's talking about the NWA and the type of wrestling, uh, and how the audience doesn't appreciate it and all that sort of stuff. So okay. that kind of ties into that. Okay. Yeah. So like you said, I think we get what do we get a Bradshaw in via DQ. Yeah. And uh, we do, there is reference throughout this sort of portion and also uh, during the 
the kind of bookended roars about the Legion of Doom being over the hill as well. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's it's mentioned so often that you can't actually help but notice it because they they talk about them being out of step uh, quite a few times and then talk about how you know in their heyday they were the you know un- unstoppable and you yeah. do have some counters of people saying you know I think they look as good as ever which you know doesn't sound very realistic really um, but yeah the, I think it's to me it all ties in as being part of pushing the nation uh, no sorry not the nation um, the outlaws because they've, they've kind of taken them out and humiliated them a bit and things like that because they don't really talk about Chainsaw Charlie and Terry Funk in the same way but Terry Funk must be as old as LOD members yeah, I would have thought, I would have thought. So I would he was older yeah probably. but it, it it feels like a bit of a burial at times yeah um, yeah it's almost like acknowledging the, the elephant in the room sort of thing yeah that's um, quite odd uh, and we know that they're at this point um, in a month or so we're going to get them repackaged as LOD 2000 and that's probably going to be quite short lived as well it's a weird yeah. one yeah uh, so after this we get a, do we get an Austin promo very short um, Austin promo what I've got on my notes is it's a Triple H in China oh that's what it is uh, promo talking about the fact that uh, I think Triple H says he's be- he's had people beating down the door he's had calls non-stop because everyone wants to be in DX but he says nobody can replace Shawn Michaels so they're going to go uh, 3 versus 4 yeah uh, and that's when Cole tells him that WWE, WWF officials will appoint a partner. Um, Triple H says he doesn't care. They'll they'll win regardless. They don't need the help of whoever that'll be. Um, Here we go, building up expectations. Oh, who could it be? Who are they yeah. going to be? Yeah. And then we get possibly the highlight of the pay-per-view. Um, the Nation of Domination are interviewed by Doc Hendricks. Yeah. Uh, and Doc Hendricks asks to speak to the leader of the Nation of Domination and The Rock begins to speak and Farouk <laughs> cuts him off, as Farouk will. Yeah, he says something about how he, he would whip it or he will whip his ass or uh, poop his ass or something like that. It's, it's brilliant. I think we both talked before about how much we love this this Rock because his, his facials, his arrogance um, just being that nippy you know youngster that's uh, trying to trying to be the big guy it's, yeah. it's just brilliant that's brilliant it really really is and he spends I, I could not tell you what Farouk was saying the rest of this promo I was just watching The Rock the whole time and he's like flexing his chest and <laughs> like nodding over towards Farouk like what is he like look at me I'm the Intercontinental Champion and then he does that classic uh, gif, massive big eye roll. Yeah. It's amazing. Properly iconic. So good. Fantastic. I think I think the eye roll comes when uh, Farouk talks about the this, this sort of mean streets that he grew up yeah. on or something like that. <laughs> it's comedy gold. It's brilliant. So that takes us into a war of attrition match. Um, Adam, what's a war of attrition match? Well, I don't know, because it just seems like it's a a, a tag match. 
<laughs> and the thing is, if you're calling it War of Attrition, I'm imagining a pretty long match. You know, it's 13, 14 minutes. Is um, it really? Yeah. And I said, I mean, did they ever clear up what they mean by War of Attrition? So we have a really weird sort of conversation between King and JR. And King's kind of saying, you don't know what attrition means, do you? And, and GR saying, yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Well, what does it mean? And then GR describes it as an elimination. So I'm like, okay, so this is, that makes sense. This is a 10-man tag. An elimination match would make sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm waiting <laughs> during the match, and it's going on for quite a long time, and they're isolating various uh, members of DOA and... Then yeah, it finishes and nobody yeah. got eliminated. It's, it's it's weird. Why like you say? Why call it a war of attrition match and then just make it a Survivor Series match? Yeah, that, that was no, that, that would be an elimination match. No, it? Yeah, um, it was just a, a you know one fall tag match and yeah, uh, I think. Um, but what were your thoughts on Ahmed Johnson? <laughs> My favourite part of this match was when he was lying on his side and D'Lo hit the frog splash on him. He was like, I'm hitting this regardless of whether you're in the right position or not. That was really yeah. weird. He's awful. He's yeah. so bad. He's over. He's proper over as he well. Is. And I, I was actually surprised that he got a good reaction just because I've always thought of him as this guy that couldn't work. He's, you know, and, and he's kind of what he's known for that he, <laughs> he, he wasn't good and I kind of was shocked by the positive reaction he got it's crazy it's, it's his look it has to be his look because he, he does look amazing yeah no, apart apart from the knee pads yeah. um, too many knee pads I made but he, he does look amazing but he's just awful yeah he looks like he would hurt somebody uh-huh um, and then I was really laughing when Dilo did that frog splash. Do, do you know the kind of spot that I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Funny. Um, yeah, I just felt this was quite a messy match overall. Yeah. Like too much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, um, DOA just feel like they're there to make up the numbers. Absolutely. This is like Shamrock versus The Rock, Dilo. Mark Henry and Farouk, kind of. Yeah, I think there was um, there was quite, or there had been quite a bit of animosity between Ahmed and Farouk at at points in there, because I think Ahmed was in the nation very briefly, uh-huh. um, and then was kind of thrown out, um, and Farouk having been, despite what the Rock may think, the leader of the nation, <laughs> um, I think I think they'd had a programme and there'd been quite a lot of animosity between them, but it does feel like it's the, the Rock and Shamrock is the big story going on in the match, really. Yeah, I remember we've spoke about a match on here, I want to say it was a WrestleMania match between, was it between Ahmed and Farouk? And Ahmed yeah. was like Pearl River plunging poor random guys through tables and stuff and it was horrible. Yeah, I think that's right, yeah. It was when the nation had like these two little white rapper guys came yeah, out with that, them. That that was a strange situation. An odd mixture. Yeah. Um yeah, like this again, this is quite similar to the Mero and Gold Dust headbangers match. It moves forward the Farouk and Rock issue that we yeah. that we've got going on. It moves forward Rock and Shamrock. 
yeah. as well and it's got to lead into their intercontinental title match and I think it does a good job of doing that um, the rest are kind of like chess pieces round about yeah um, it's quite good actually because the, the, the Rock taps out to Shamrock in the ankle lock in the match because you, you know you know Rock's intercontinental champion they've already had a match for the belt Shamrock's already been screwed out of it mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know if they've already been confirmed for Mania as another match but we know they're having one um, and it, it it keeps that moving along because you know Shamrock can beat The Rock you know he's he's kind of got his number yeah. if if all is fair but you know all is not going to be fair just because of the, the, sort of the way the team affiliations go but uh, it, it does a good job moving Rock and Farouk on because at the end of the match, obviously, uh, the previous Raw, Rock had kind of made the save by hitting Shamrock right in the face with the steel chair. Um, and Rock isn't very pleased with Farouk for not making any kind of save uh, for him. So Rock gives Farouk a shove and uh, <laughs> poor Dilo. <laughs> He ends up getting it in the face. Yeah, gets 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 a punch from Farouk, and then he's. He, I love Dilo. He's he's one of my favourites, but he's so animated and angry. And he's why would you punch me? Why would you punch me? <laughs> uh, and uh, you've got the, the rock walking away, and then Farouk almost being, you know, like a angry father trying yeah. to get his, his. Uh, misbehaving son back in line and ordering him back into the ring to stand and do the salute which I, I thought it was all well done uh, me too I like that that he did get him back in the ring and they did all come back together mm-hmm. again and it's really interesting because you've had the Royal Rumble where we ha- we saw basically all members of the nation fighting each other yeah and then they've come back together again you've had these little falling outs you've got the the sort of issues between Rock and Farouk and I think it's I agree with you I think it is really well done because now you would just ha- you would have them fall out and that'd be it they'd probably have a couple of tag yeah. team matches on Raw and it'd be done yeah so yeah um, next up we get the match that I was excited about when I saw that we were doing this pay-per-view um, sometimes when you get excited about things and then you open on your presents on Christmas morning and <laughs> You just yeah, it's it's uh, it can be disappointing. Yeah, I felt bad because I'd watched this before you, and I knew this was the match you were looking forward to, and I thought, uh, and I think I tried to encourage you to just get it all watched by saying, <laughs> you know, you've got to get to Vader Kane, you know, and, uh, and I, I already knew, but I, I just needed to to make sure you were getting it watched. Well, I certainly watched it. Um, my, uh, if I would, uh, is Vader still with us? No, he's not, is he? No, I think he. That's maybe just last year. Or, oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Um, two big men like this, and I think this will be the third pay per view in a row where we've had two big men sort of clash, haven't we? Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, this was probably the worst of the lot, and that's saying something given the Kevin Nash powerbomb we saw on Big on uh, the Giant. Yeah, although at least the moves look fairly safe in this. Well, uh, true, true. Um, they just, 
there's no point in going hammering tongs for 30 seconds and then looking absolutely gassed out <laughs> for the rest of the match. Vader looked yeah. like he was going to pass out. I think that that has actually long been a, a criticism. Oh, really? It was the, the shape he was in and the work ethic because I think the based on podcasts I've listened to and stuff like that and I'm sure it was all covered by Pritchard because I think Conrad was a massive Vader fan and always really disappointed by what they what, what they, they did, did with him um, and when when they talked about it I think that they he basically said that the Vader that they hoped they were getting wasn't really the guy that, that they got mm-hmm. and they had to just use him as best they could because um, he he wasn't in the kind of shape they would have wanted him to be in. Um, so I don't know if that, that maybe plays into, you know, the style of, or the the length of a match like this. And, you know, the it, it just wasn't good. Nah. There was a few times where Kane was bouncing him off the ropes with Irish whip and he basically was stotting his way over at the ropes. Yeah. It's quite sad. It, it, to be fair to him, though, he gets up and he hits that moonsault for the top rope. Yeah, which is quite impressive. Yeah, and I I assume they're they're using Vader to put Kane over, Mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's it's kind of sad when you look at it like that because he's been such a huge star himself in other companies and things like that. Um, Maybe they needed to get him a few years earlier uh, to to really make something of him, but. It's they're putting Kane over as their massive monster that can go toe to toe with and beat the Undertaker, and I think they just looked and thought this is a way to really underline that. Yeah, and for that point of view, it works perfectly. Yeah, um, Kane is essentially no selling most of the, the things yeah. that Vader's doing, and when he hits that moonsault off the top rope, he's he's straight back up almost. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, they start selling the fact that Kane's only got one eye, or he can only see out of one eye. Yeah, for, yeah. They're really going, JR's going over the top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Vader is uh, using the fire extinguisher again. Yeah. And uh, and hitting him with that. But, uh, and uh, Vader power bombs him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they, they kind of protect that a little bit, don't they? Because there's a distraction by Paul Bearer. Yeah. It's not that he just gets up fine from that. I think there is a. Uh, a little bit of protection of the move. It basically turns from there and, and Kane hits the tombstone and that's... Yeah. Well, I was going to say that's it, but that's not it. No. Because Kane... At, at one point, when Vader pulls out the fire extinguisher, a toolbox comes out as well. And uh, Kane goes and finds what I can only describe as a floppy foam wrench <laughs> or something... It's yeah. so bad. I mean, it it, it looks massive, <laughs> and these are these are huge guys. So somehow the wrench is like bigger than them. And, uh, oh, it's it was also totally unnecessary because you know you've just had Kane go over strong, and uh, you could have actually had like Vader because he ends up getting stretchered out you could have had him get stretchered out from the finish uh-huh. if you really wanted to sell Kane but no for some reason there's a massive wrench out of it. at one point Kane is standing on it um, and you can see that he's uh, like all, all sort of all sort of re- realism is out the window because Kane stands on it and flattens it with his foot <laughs> So that's what does that say about Vader? He's been taken out with a 
yeah. <laughs> foam spanner from yeah, the shows. He's, he's definitely <laughs> past it. <laughs> like you say, like he's hit the moonsault, he's hit him a power bomb. You could sell it as he's given him everything he's got mm-hmm. and still succumbed, and the tombstones finished him off. But yeah, yeah, uh, too, need, too straightforward. We need to too sports entertainment up for a little yeah. bit. So that leads us straight in to the. The the, um, the the unveiling of the fourth man. Yeah. Savio Vega. I think he even comes out before his music comes yeah. out. So like, shit, let me get this over with. They're going to boom me out the building. I better it's get a, out there. It's a shame for him in a way. I mean, he's getting in a main event spot, but he's, um, he's, he's put in a pretty awful situation. Because, yeah. yeah, they're the heels, so it's fine that he gets booed, but it's not even a booing, it's more just a deflation, like an underwhelmed... Yeah. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Uh, yeah. yeah that, that, that did nothing to help anyone. So, the kind of story of this match is that Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack come out just start filling the ring. Oh, no, sorry. What, sh- what we should say is that we get the announcement, which they tended to do a lot of the time round about this uh, time, was to say something's changed about this match and th- th- this time it was that it's not sanctioned by WWF mm. because of because of the, the damage they could do to each other yeah but we've it, still got a ref though. yeah it was a bit I don't know here's an excuse yeah, for us to, yeah. to use all these weapons and, and make yeah. it like an ECW match um, yeah a lot of time they'll go and this match is now non-disqualification um, and they went through a period of doing that a lot, but yeah, they say this is non-sanctioned. Funk and Foley fill the match, uh, fill the ring with with weapons. Uh, Austin comes out to an outrageous pop. Oh, like I know it's in it's in Texas uh, the event, but the there's a few crowd reactions that I remember, and and this is one of them. Like I remember the time Austin comes out the night that uh, Mick Foley wins the bell. He comes out um, on a raw, and the reaction when the glass shatters is outrageous. I think he basically just goes in the ring, hits the rock with a steel chair, puts cactus, puts Mick Foley over him. But this is up there with the biggest, uh-huh. you know, just it's an explosion. The uh-huh. crowd. Yeah, totally. Um, and I've I've just got written here. This is just basically like a chaotic giant hardcore match. Yeah, which it kind of is. Um, there's a point where Terry Funk hits something, hits the road dog with something. I've absolutely no idea what it was. It was big and long, and floppy and wet. Okay, wasn't that wrench? No. No. Did, <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? No. No. Like if I had to guess, I would have said it was a fish. Okay. It wasn't obviously, <laughs> but that's what it looked like. Uh, now I think about it, it might have been Bradshaw's <laughs> chaps. Wow. No, I genuinely see this like if they were lying about it. It happened with something. It was okay. really weird looking. Okay. Um, we've got just all sorts going on. Owen Hart puts Billy Gunn through a table. Um, we've got numerous people getting hit with uh, trash can lids, bin lids. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, it goes a bit crazy to start off with it and you're kind of looking about everywhere because there's so much going on. Yeah, I think um, I, what I remember is they they eventually kind of settle and it becomes a tag match, uh-huh. which I almost found a bit illogical. <laughs> I mean, it's an unsanctioned match, so why are they following any rules? 
from a certain point onwards. It's like the ref somehow, who's probably Earl Hebner, uh, somehow gains control of all these guys when they don't have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed a bit strange, but at least when it became a tag match, there was a little bit of order. You could kind of follow what was going on. Yeah. JR does make reference that he says something about them. The referee seems to have got control of this match or something. They've settled mm-hmm. down it or something. Yeah. Um, but I don't know about you, but so, so there's a couple of big spots that after that, um, you've got the barbed wire, oh. which is just horrendous. Yeah. Because you, you, you actually see Foley pulling it out of his neck. Yep. And it's like it's stuck in his neck. Yeah. It's horrible. Is it Sergio Vega that introduces? I think, yeah, he brings it in and, and starts wrapping it around him. It's, it's, it is horrible. Uh, quite uncomfortable watching and Aye. I know compared to some of the things they do a, a few cuts here and there and things like that probably not too bad but it just looks horrible yeah, it really does it's in his mouth isn't it I don't uh-huh. know if any of the actual you know if because if, it looks like some of the the wires just wire and they've, they've maybe got safe areas on it but yeah. it, uh, it's just not nice to look at oh, I was cringing when he was pulling that in it was like pulling away mm-hmm. his skin his neck um, I don't know about you but when Austin I was really surprised when Austin came in the ring at how like explosive fast mm-hmm. he looked he was yeah. amazing yeah because he's, he's already had his neck problems here yeah um, and I I think I had it in my mind that he, he had to slow right down after that but what I do remember maybe picking up more on is it just maybe took less bumps and uh, became more of just a brawler. Aye, um, did a lot less. Yeah, Aye. but he, he, you're right. I mean, the the pace, the the intensity of all of it was was probably more than I remembered it being. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised. Um, and the match closes really quickly. Basically, Austin yeah. gets in the ring, beats everybody up, hits Road Dog with Stunner, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, um, I was really surprised. Yeah, uh, I think it's maybe because it takes so long for it to settle into an actual match because the sort of, you know, if I look at the time that's against it on the, the good old Wikipedia page, it's 17 and a half minutes, but right. so much of that isn't, you know, a tag match. It's just craziness going on. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably only a tag match for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it does it does end pretty pretty abruptly and then we've got the situation with China right let's talk about this so if I was watching this now with access to the internet and being able to message you or whatever I'd be saying oh no they're they're setting China up to to get involved in in Austin Michaels so China was really concerned about where the belt was yeah then you've got this big face off between Austin and China yeah You've got the like absolutely like uncontrollable pop from the crowd when he hits her with a stunner, mm-hmm. and then on the following raw you get like a package about China, yeah, about her yeah. career. Uh huh. Yeah, you're right. Because I mean that that package that uh, about China's career, they they don't do that for you. You don't see packages like that. It's it's pretty rare to get something like that. Um, and it seemed like it was designed to put her over, to, mm-hmm. you know, put, put it in your mind that she could compete with anyone. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, quite, yeah, quite odd. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if, if they're just... 
maybe the the only thing that I was thinking I can't remember if this was referenced or not was did GR maybe see that say that'll be Mike Tyson that's Mike that could be Mike Tyson at WrestleMania so maybe it was yeah to possibly. say like Austin do that to anybody so mm-hmm. I just yeah I think I'd be getting scared if that was happening now and yeah the 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 announcers are um, are putting. Austin over right at the end. I think uh, they t- they're talking about how Michaels and Tyson should both be worried ab- uh, about what could happen to them at the hands of Austin. But then right at the end, Jr. It's like he's had a word in his ear. Um, you have to put over Michaels. People can't assume this is a cake cakewalk. Uh, so he says he describes Michaels as the greatest WWF champion of all time, <laughs> and and says as if he's been possessed by Michaels briefly, <laughs> he will lay down for nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Nobody. Are we in gargle some sand, Sean? Yeah. Nobody's interested. That's funny. So that was the pay per view. What yeah. did you make it overall? Didn't love it. No. Um, it's not. It. The highlights for me um, weren't really in ring. Um, the the whole um, promo of the nation was great it just that 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 got me um and you know they they do move it forward in the ring which is fine the austin reaction that he got when he came out is something that that stuck with me after the show as well um i think it like you say it moved things along um there was quite a lot that felt like filler on the card um and I think, you know, we've mentioned this before and we're probably going to mention it as we, we keep going through the year. The roster doesn't seem to be that deep because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of uh, mid-card guys um, and that's probably being polite about it that seem to be <laughs> in quite prominent spots. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I didn't love it as a show. It had a couple of moments that, that got me and that, that's about it, really. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like I said, right at the start, we're we're very much on the road to WrestleMania here, and we're we're throwing some breadcrumbs down along as we go. Yeah. Um, nothing more, nothing less. Um, what 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 jumped out at you about the the row after that might have um, that might have progressed things along? Yeah, there were there were a, f- a couple of things. There was there was a slightly weird situation where JR's talking about a, a rumor that DX is contemplating a lawsuit on Austin because of what they did to China the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That just feels a little bit out of place. I, I, I don't know what they were going for with that really. Um, and we didn't get any DX members on that no. episode at all. Yeah, all, they're, did we? they're not on the show at all. Which. I don't have a problem with a lot of the time. I think you can keep things fresh and keep people, you know, wanting more by having people off shows. Although on the run up to Mania, it, it seemed quite odd. I think mm. they mentioned that they would be on the next week. Yeah, it um, felt really. Odd. I know that this this was a special Saturday night. Yeah. Um, edition of Raw, but Kevin Kelly was getting very animated about things happening next Monday on Raw and it's like but this is Raw <laughs> yeah yeah. I, um, I found it quite odd that was it was strange you've, you've got a little bit more with uh, the Jackal and uh, Sniper and Recon um, it's, it's basically like the same situation but with the other wrestler getting annoyed with the Jackal uh-huh. um, and then you know 
seemingly uh, the Jackal seems pleased with everything that's going on and how worked up he's getting people and things like that and they, they never seem to actually go for him or physically, you know, try anything with him. It's like he has some sort of hold over them. Um, where's where's Kurgan? I don't... Is Kurgan... Was he... He was in the Truth Commission, wasn't I he? I think so, aye. Yeah. Maybe he's getting his nails looked at. <laughs> Those big long black things he had on his fingers. Yeah, I'm not sure where he is. I don't know if they're doing a little rebuild of the Truth Commission or something like that. Possibly. Do you know that the Truth Commission was a Bret Hart thing? Bret, Bret, yeah. Bret was convinced that this was going to be big. Yeah, I'd heard that or read it somewhere. Um, yeah, it, I don't know if it ever really really got off the ground but um, yeah we've we've got a little bit of progression of the Mark Merrill and Sable situation um, yeah. Merrill's saying he's, he's sick of being painted as the bad guy uh, he, he talks about having seen Sable on TV with an Austin t-shirt on uh, and she's trying to become the star and steal his spotlight uh, but she can't win wrestling matches um, he he questions why she dresses the way she dresses. He actually says she knows her place and she belongs to him. Aye, that's uh, aye, This was in this interview with the king. Yeah, aye, that's um, horrible. And Lawler talks about Sable having knocked Mero on his butt, and Mero tries to talk, to explain it away by saying he'd slipped. Um, and she gets flowers delivered. Won't say who they're from. Mero's furious. He's getting very worked up. Um, so yeah, we've we've got that. We we have um, a bit more NWA on the show. Um, there's stuff. actually there's head headbangers v Rock and Roll Express for the NWA tag titles, and the Rock and Roll Express retain on a technicality. Um, because it's NWA rules and the headbangers throw one of the Rock and Roll Express over the top rope, which is against the NWA rules, just as the ref is counting the three. Um, this was for, so. For this men. was real. No, this was weird. Yeah. And they also made a big deal of saying how uh, how much integrity this NWA referee had. Yeah. It's almost like they were yeah. going for the kind of Nick Patrick type thing. It was uh-huh. that's really odd. Yeah. Um, We've got uh, Austin in the, the ring as soon as the, the war zone uh, part of the show starts. JR's to do an interview with him. Uh, he's asked about the China situation and Austin says that as soon as somebody steps through the ropes, their ass belongs to him. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, then... Uh, he says he knows Michael's at home preparing for mania. He wants Michael's to be to be resting so he can whip his ass at his best. Um, and he says that Tyson better not stick his nose in Austin's business. Um, we've got that. I think you mentioned it earlier. The Jeff Jarrett Owen Hart European title match. So um, Owen retains when Cornette interferes. Uh, we do have Owen Hart putting the sharpshooter on Cornette. Um, yes, that's good. To... And then they they confirm the the media match for Owen v Triple H. Um, we've got Michael Hayes in what I assume is his hometown because there's quite a big reaction, um, and they're they're kind of referencing the fact that they don't call him Michael Hayes; they call him Doc Hendricks. But he is actually Michael Hayes. Uh, he's one of the Freebirds, and they they were big here, so he comes out for the big reaction. But it's all a setup, so Kane destroys him. Um, does, does it make you uncomfortable when he dances and stuff? Yeah, 
It does. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he was on... Um, sorry, go on. I bet he still does it. And yeah. I'd probably feel even more uncomfortable now. So last night, I don't know if you've watched NXT uh, at all. I don't. I imagine you will have because you're not really watching anything, are you? No. No. So I watched NXT from last night, which I've been enjoying. Um, and they're obviously doing an in-your-house pay-per-view, so it's all, I think that's on Sunday, so it's all kind of like retro look and feel. So they have this Doc Hendricks uh, slam jam uh, little sort of bit where he talks about the matches that are going to be on the card, but he's calling himself like handsome Doc Hendricks and like <laughs> rubbing his face and all this. And mm. so I, he is still doing this sort of thing. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. He takes back to cut his ponytail off again. I mean, it's, it's all for the Kane to get the heat, you know, destroying yes. the, the popular yes. guy in the same town. Um, we've got a bit more with Brian Christopher, uh, where he's teaming with a guy called Morgan um, against Taka and Aguila. We've got, what does he say as he's walking out to the ring? Oh, I, I went and found me a Mexican. Yes, that is exactly what it's. What the fuck? We've got Sunny again. Always, yep. always good. Always nice. Um, and then uh, I think when Taka wins the match for his team, uh, it's Morgan that takes the defeat, and Lawler is uh, blaming uh, the partner, blaming basically Brian Christopher picking the wrong partner mm-hmm. is the reason that all went wrong. Um, and we've we've got a a fantastic segment with yes. the nation. Yes. This this was actually like the saviour of the entire three shows for me. <laughs> this this is one of my favourite segments ever. And I couldn't remember when it had happened, but I had a feeling based on everything we've seen that it must have been coming up soon. And my fear was we we wouldn't watch the raw that it happened on. Right. But uh, but we did, so so we've got um, the the Rock. It's, it's about to be a Farouk v Steve Blackman match. Uh, so the Nation come out, and uh, the Rock is going to be showing his appreciation to the Nation. Um, he wants to clear up any suggestions of dissent and prove he's grateful to them and harbors no ill feelings. So he presents Kama. Dilo and Mark Henry each with I think they say fifteen thousand uh, dollar <laughs> solid gold Rolex watches. Yeah. Um and they're they're all quite, you know, they're selling it, they're quite overwhelmed with this gift they've been given. Uh, <laughs> Rock he's he's carrying this picture frame. Well, it's obviously shaped like a picture frame wrapped gift, and he says he's got something special for Farouk. <laughs> uh, and he says Farouk is the only leader in the nation. Um and he has a gift which demonstrates his, his respect and admiration for Farouk. He hands it over, he's like, you know, trying to encourage him to hurry up and open it. Rock looks so happy with what's going on. He's 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 selling this brilliantly. Farouk looks you know, he's he's just seen the other guys get their watches. He's he's looking quite well, as enthusiastic as Farouk ever really looks. He looks quite pleased with what's going on and then when he opens it it's a picture of the rock. <laughs> it's just one of the best segments I, I can remember. Farouk throws it down. <laughs> rock looks so insulted and offended. 
the match is then you know Blackman comes into the ring the, the match is then going on in the ring I think they mention actually Blackman's undefeated yeah. um, so he's on a, a, an undefeated run um, for the favourite for the match <laughs> The Rock is still carrying this picture outside the ring he's, he's like showing like, it off to the crowd he, and all he's, that he's holding it up he's looking so pleased with himself <laughs> and then uh, Farouk who's in the ring grabs the picture uh, and he's, he's gesturing to use it on Blackman um, but he, he can't he can't quite get the picture of Blackman takes advantage of the distraction rolls him up for the win and then Farouk destroys the picture uh, and the Rock's reaction to Farouk destroying it he's, he's hurt he's angry he's offended he's um, he's wanting to go for the uh, really go for Farouk and it ends up with the, the nation trying to uh, trying to get in between the rest of them and the Rock the Farouk leads the rest of the nation out of the ring and uh, backstage is the rocks he's just standing in the ring holding <laughs> the destroyed picture it's, it's absolutely brilliant yeah, it really is uh, I, I keep saying I think this is my favourite version of the rock and then you see other versions in their class as well but I genuinely think he's at his best here mm-hmm. he really is it's, and Farouk does an amazing job See, see when he sees the picture and he's just like he's just so un- unimpressed as it is brilliant really is um, it's uh, it, across all three programmes that I watched it was by far my, my favourite segment they, they do a little backstage where um, Michael Cole is trying to get an interview with the nation uh, and there's <laughs> all this noise and banging and things like that coming from the closed uh, locker room and D'Lo kind of sneaks out and really unconvincingly tries to say everything's fine no problems here and all that we've got a long flight ahead of us he says <laughs> we're, we're, yeah. we're packing for a long flight ahead of us or um, yeah uh, the, the only other thing we've got after that which is um, Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie against uh, Mark Mero and Goldust um, we've got Sable Chance upsetting Mero. Um, there's something about the fact Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie have apparently said they're going to wrestle more. They're going to do the um, the extreme stuff less and they're going to wrestle more. And they are actually doing it. Ah, right, okay. JR was making a big deal of what they were doing. Yeah, because they're, they're executing quite a few moves and I think the yeah, JR's trying to sell it as, you know, they're, they're out wrestling them here mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, Sable who's been sent back comes back with her flowers from her secret admirer and Mark Mero goes crazy um, Luna destroys the flowers um, Mero tells Sable to leave and uh, then the Sable and uh, Luna are wanting to get at each other um, Mero's holding Sable back uh, all the while this is going on Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie uh, take the win in the ring uh, against Goldust so that's uh, how it goes off air it's a shame it didn't go off air with the, the nation stuff because that was awesome something happens with Sable's clothing and uh, Errol Hebner seems to be confused as to whether or not he should try and close our clothes but also risk it making it look oh, no, like no, he's no. touching what appears to be hanging out. Oh, no. And King says, did you just see that? <laughs> he's very excited. Oh, so, yeah, I had um, 
I can now see how there may have been confusion because I kept encouraging you to watch. Get to the end of the row, you kept texting me. And, and you must have been thinking, what a perv, he's just talking about something that he's seen. But no, I was talking about the nation stuff. I thought you were. I thought you were talking about Errol Hebner's reaction. It's kind of, you know, like what you would describe as like a kind of classic girl fight with a T-Rex arms and they're like slapping at each other. He's kind of doing that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's what I thought you were trying. And I was a bit like, oh, okay. That's <laughs> an odd thing for you to be getting excited about. I, I meant the nation stuff. Don't worry. That makes sense. So, yeah. uh, an, an interesting... An interesting um, Stepping stone to WrestleMania, basically, um, and we'll we'll get to that probably in a couple of episodes' time, maybe three episodes' time, if we've got an ECW pay per view to do as well. Yeah. Um, next time we'll be doing Super Brawl Eight back in WCW. So um, interesting to see if that's a better show than Sold Out. I really hope it is, Adam. Yeah, I, I find myself looking at the card just now, just to try and get a feel for, for what we've got coming up. Hogan Sting? Uh, yeah, we do have Hogan Sting. I mean, that's almost as big as it gets. That's, I mean, uh, there's a few things on here that, that look okay, but it's 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 mixed. Martel uh, Booker T, that is what I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, we've, we've got... Um, is this... I don't know how many pay-per-views he's been on have we seen Goldberg have we seen him much or many um, times no so just once he destroys what's the road dog's dad called Brian Armstrong Bob Armstrong Br- Brad Armstrong Brad Armstrong aye he was, yeah. he was on an episode Nitro and he destroyed him ok well he seems to be fighting Brad Armstrong again on this uh, on the pay-per-view doesn't he yeah um, I wonder what will happen <laughs> we've got Jericho against Juventud um, nice We've got DDP against Benoit. Um, oh, nice. There's, there's a few things on here. That yeah. sounds promising. Look yeah. forward to that. Um, I would suggest that we do Thunder pay-per-view Nitro. Yeah, rather that's... than Nitro pay-per-view Nitro. So yeah. I think the last time we made it, the mistake of doing the Nitros and missed a good portion of the build-up. So. Yeah, I, th- I think I mistakenly thought that Thunder was uh, very much like the B show that didn't have the stars on it, but clearly storylines were moving and we were missing it. So mm. yeah, that makes sense. Excellent, cool. Well, did you watch? <laughs> did you watch No Way Out of Texas in nineteen ninety eight? If you did, and if you enjoyed it as much as we did, just give us a shout on Twitter and on Instagram at Outlaws Pod. If you've watched it recently on the network, I'm really sorry. <laughs> but at least you got to see... Um, at least you got to see the Quebecers versus the Godwins. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see you next time for Super Brawl 8. Until then, take it easy. Cheers, Adam. Cheers. <laughs>